0: Wow. Hey, thank you, guys. Thank you, youth team, so much for leading us today. Uh, Man, that was so awesome. That was just so awesome. So on Wednesday nights when we have students on our campus, we have junior hires and high schoolers over in the chapel every Wednesday. That's what they experience on Wednesday nights. And so it's, it's no wonder God has just been doing some awesome things in there. And for them to build that team in such a short amount of time is really just remarkable. So I'm just, I'm just so proud of them and grateful for them. Uh, thank you guys so much for that. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to South Valley. We are so glad to see you with us today in person. Thank you for those of you who are joining us today online. And also, I want to welcome back our sailors. I heard we got some sailors back in town after eight-month deployment. Let's welcome them back. We love you guys. Uh, so, today we're going to wrap it up a sermon series titled It Matters. And uh, we have already talked about singleness. We talked about dating. Today we're going to talk about marriage. And I'm really excited about this because, hey, I, I know everything there is to know about marriage. Okay, I, not really. Okay, I've been married for 10 years, but I, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. All of us are – it doesn't matter where you are on this spectrum with marriage. Okay, you could be married for one month. You could be married for 33 years, 50 years. We have people in this church who have been married 40-plus years. Lots of people in this church who have been married 40-plus years. Yeah, so so trust me, I come at this humbly today. I, I don't come at this like, hey, you need to listen to me. And You've been married for 40-something years I respect you and what God's done in your marriage. But what I want to do is I want to just kind of unpack the scriptures on this topic, remind us of the significance of marriage, and and just just glean on what God has to say here. And and one thing I want you to to think about, just an appropriate way to start our time this morning, is, is with a question, and it's this. What makes you feel loved? This is important for single people. This is important for dating people. This is important for married people. What makes you feel loved? We all have different things that make us feel loved. Maybe you love gifts. Maybe you love one-on-one time. Maybe you love kind words. Maybe you love cuddling. Maybe you, or some of you are like, I love all those things, all right? I want all. I want everything. We all have different ways of feeling loved loved. And you're probably familiar with this. Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. Have you guys read that book before or heard about that book? There's an app, by the way. If you want to download the app, you can, you can uh, fill out the app and it'll tell you what your love languages are. And if you have your spouse fill it out too, it'll tell you what your spouse's love language languages are. But the, the concept of the book is very simple. We all speak a different language when it comes to love. We all Express love differently, we all receive love differently. And he talks about five ways of giving and receiving love. I'll look at them really quick. The first is words of affirmation. Okay, This is just saying, encouraging, nice, speaking kind things over somebody. Words of affirmation. The other is quality time. Okay, People who love quality time, they, they want you to turn off the phone. They want you to look at them in the eyes. They want, they, they want you to be totally present. That's how they feel loved. The next one is physical touch. This can be holding hands, cuddling. this could be massages, this could be other things that I can't talk about in the service. OK? So that's that piece. There's a uh, acts of service, doing the dishes. Make yeah, amen. Making the bed cleaning up, running errands, and then the last one is receiving gifts. And and, and 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 if this is your love language, it doesn't mean that you always want an expensive gift or a big gift. You, you wouldn't turn it down if you got one, but it's just the thoughtfulness of a, of a gift, the timeliness of a gift. Well, We all enjoy all of these things, but there's something on this list for each of us that stands out more than than the other. And, And I had to discover this in my relationship with my wife, Carly. So Carly and I married 10 years. We were dating six years prior to that. We had to learn each other how to love each other. And I learned early on that although Carly loves all of these things, the one that she really loves the most is acts of service. Acts of service is her number one thing. So she's like, hey, Ricky, you know, I I love when you rub my hands at nighttime when we're falling asleep. I love when you say nice things to me. But honestly, you know what makes me feel loved is when you go and, and, you know, you do the laundry. That's like the most loving thing you could do for me. Just do the laundry, and I feel so loved. Any any other women who resonate with that one? Okay, a few of you. A few of you. For me, okay, I'm a simple man, all right? I'm a simple man. And when it comes to this, this list, and I think other men kind of relate to this one, but I, I'm all about words of affirmation and physical touch. So, Carly, tell me I'm awesome and touch me a lot, and I'm happy, okay? So that. I, I think that's probably a, the bulk of the men in the room. Any, any, any amens, men? Okay, so I, I'm just saying. So there are different ways of showing love, demonstrating love. So this is how it would work out if, with coffee, okay, with the love languages with coffee. Affirmation is your coffee is delicious. Acts of service, I made you a coffee. Receiving gifts, here, I bought you a coffee. Quality time, let's go get coffee, Physical touch, let me hold you like a coffee, okay? <laughs> Lots of different ways to give and receive love in a relationship. And, and as, we, as we discuss marriage today, I wanted to remind you all that, that marriage is one of those things that you're, you're going to get out of it what you put into it. If, if you sow seeds of love, you're going to reap the rewards. You're going to reap the benefits. If you decide to neglect love, if you decide to neglect time and energy and effort in your marriage, it's going to show over time, and, and eventually your marriage might grow stale, and sometimes marriages even die, And so today, I want to remind you all, what what does God have to say about marriage? And I also want to remind you, marriage takes work. You get out of it what you put into it. So we're going to talk about marriage today. I'm going to pray, and we'll jump in. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for that amazing time of worship, and and also just uh, thank you personally just for the chance to be able to stand today and preach, and I'm just so grateful uh, for that. And so I I just, uh, I'm I'm grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for your love and your grace in our lives, and uh, I just pray right now as we unpack your word that you would speak to us all. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said... Amen. So I got a few points for you on marriage. And and I thought that a good starting point for this topic is just defining what marriage is in the Bible. Okay. And and one thing that is important to point out when it comes to this topic of marriage is this marriage is sacred. What we're talking about today is 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 sacred. Okay, God designed marriage. God created marriage is no surprise to God. God established it in the garden he he said it wasn't good for the man to be alone he 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 delights In marriage, marriage reflects the unity of the Trinity. Marriage reflects Jesus's love for the church. Marriage is how uh, the the earth is populated through procreation. Okay, so marriage marriage is something that is very good. It's a gift. We talked about the gift of singleness. We talked about dating and the challenges there. But but what we're talking about today, this is very this is a very sacred topic. We are on holy ground when we talk about marriage. And and when the Bible talks about marriage, here's here's a good summary. This is what it says. Marriage should be honored by all. Marriage is something that should be honored by, by everybody. It should, be, it should be honored in the church. It should be honored out in the world. Marriage is a very important topic, and, and sometimes we just make fun of it. Sometimes we let culture kind of turn us from what a biblical view of marriage is. But, but marriage, really, it should, it's something that should be honored by all. And the marriage bed is something to be kept Pure. Okay, that's, that's kind of a summary of the significance of marriage in the Bible. When Jesus talked about marriage, he described marriage as a forever union between a man and a woman that should never, ever, ever be broken. It's pretty intense what he describes. And he actually quotes Genesis chapter 2, which says that when two independent people come together in marriage, they are no longer two people. Instead, they become one Flesh, And there's a Hebrew word, an important Hebrew word that's used here. And it's the Hebrew word echad. And echad sounds like you're clearing your throat. But that's that's how you pronounce it. Echad, it, it means one. The two will become one flesh. A man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two will become one flesh. It's the same word used to describe the fact that our triune God is one. We worship a God, and and just so you know, our next sermon series, so this is done now, our next sermon series is going to be a theology series, so we're going to talk about some of the core essential beliefs in Christianity, so that's what's coming up next week, so we're going to talk about the Trinity, we're going to talk about some of those topics, but one thing that's interesting about the God that we worship is he's a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God. Hero O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is echad, the Lord is one. And so this means that your spouse, if you're married today, your spouse is not just another person in your life. Your relationship with your spouse is different from every other relationship on the planet. Because the moment you made your vows and the moment you consummated that marriage— Through intimacy, you became one with that person. Your soul became tied to that person. You are one person now. You're not two independent people. You are one. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 19. He says, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. He's quoting Genesis here. And hold fast to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. That is biblical marriage. That's marriage. And so with that in mind, we actually have a statement on marriage as a church, uh, and we just, uh, we, if you were in membership the, recently, we, you saw this statement. Um, this, is, this is South Valley's statement on marriage. This is our definition of marriage based on what we see in Scripture, marriage is a sacred bond between a man and a woman instituted by and publicly entered into before God. It's a covenant relationship whereby God joins one man and one woman together as one flesh, consummated in sexual union and ensuing in a permanent, mutually supportive partnership. That is marriage. That being said, I know that there are many people in this room who have wounds and battle scars when it comes to the topic of marriage. So although we see marriage as sacred, we're going to hold it very high at this church. I also want to show grace when it comes to this topic, because I also know that marriage is hard. Some of you carry the wounds of marriage. Marriage hasn't been easy. Maybe you're on your second or third or fourth Marriage okay I grew up in a blended family my my parents both divorced three times and and, and here 's the thing it wasn't it was I was fine. I had great siblings I got new my family just kept growing and growing and, and you know what it 's not ideal, but God can still do things through it. Some of you live in a Blended family. You grew up in a blended family. You 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 have a blended family now. That's not that's not ideal. That's not the biblical pattern. But we have to make do with what we got, and we have to learn our lessons and grow, and, and all of that stuff. So maybe you maybe you've been divorced. Maybe you're in the middle of a divorce. I don't know what it is. But one thing I one thing I want you to know, and and I hope you'll take away from this message, is this: keep fighting for the sacredness of marriage. If your marriage is on the rocks. Don't give up. Don't give in. God has put that person in your life for a reason. And and, and there's something about that person that that could potentially make you better. And that's why last week when I talked about dating, I, I wanted to point out that who you marry matters. When you yoke yourself together with somebody, it matters who you marry. And so we talked about being holy. We talked about being humble. We talked about being hot. If you guys remember that. If you don't remember, you could listen back at that sermon. Who you marry matters. But, but, but wherever you are, fight for your marriage. Whether you're a year in, you're 10 years in, your second marriage, whatever you're at, fight for your marriage. Because here's the thing. Although marriage sounds simple, we know it's hard. Uh, it's, it's a blessing, but it's also a challenge. But God made it. God loves us. God's the one who set the terms of marriage. Marriage is a gracious gift, and it should be honored by all. And, and, and here's the other piece that I want to point out. Not only do you, should we fight for our marriages in the church, but I want to remind you that marriages are on rocky ground in our culture today. I read this in a, in a book on God, family, and marriage. And he says this, He says, for the first time in its history in in Western civilization, Western civilization is confronted with the need to define the meaning of the terms marriage and family. It can rightly be said that marriage and the family are institutions under siege in our world today. And that with marriage and the family, our very civilization is in crisis. And so one thing you're going to have to... Determine on your own today is this. Who is going to define marriage for you? You are going to have options when it comes to marriage. You're going to have options. You're going to hear different views on marriage. You're going to hear different views from the state. You're going to hear different views at your school. You're going to hear different views at the university, you're going to have different feelings potentially in your own heart about this topic. The question you have to answer today is this, who is going to define marriage for you? Is, is marriage something that God defines, or is marriage something that the university defines? Is marriage ordained by God, or is marriage ordained by the state? So you have to, today, one thing you need to do is you need to remind yourself, like, listen, who Okay, who am I going to take my cues on marriage from? Am I going to look to the scriptures on this topic or am I going to look to culture on this topic? That is going to be between you and God. And my encouragement to you would be to honor marriage as sacred. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so that's point number one, marriage is sacred. Point number two is this, marriage must be cultivated. Marriage must be cultivated. Now, I noticed that uh, right now in Lemoore... Everywhere you drive, you can see trees blooming. Have you guys noticed that? On my way over here, I actually had to take a video of it. It looks so pretty. I had to just see it myself. It's so beautiful. Everywhere you look right now, there are white flowers blooming. There are pink flowers, purple flowers. All these trees are blooming. And it's awesome, and it's amazing, and it's really beautiful, and it's popping up all over the place. And and I've actually had a chance to sit down and talk to some of our farmers in this church. So we have farmers here, uh, and I've got to hear about what they do with their work. And one thing that I want to point out, and you guys know this, you've been in a farming community for a while, but these trees are not growing by accident, right? The farmers didn't just throw the seeds in the ground and be like, all right, I hope one day I have an awesome crop. They've worked hard. To have an awesome crop. Being a farmer is an all-day, every-day thing. I've, I've talked to some of our farmers and, and, and it is constant. The demand to take care of these crops is constant. And, and and there are challenges that come along the way. You know, there could be spring could come too soon, winter, a freeze could come too soon. There's so many things that challenge the crop and the farmer is constantly watching the crop and giving a hundred percent of effort to grow and cultivate the crop. Well, the same is true with marriage, a successful marriage. It's 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 work. It takes a hundred percent of your effort, a hundred percent every day, forever. That's marriage. And so if you think that if you just Say I do at an altar that, and uh, everything's just going to work out just because you guys loved each other at one point and you had this affection for each other that everything now is just going to work out forever. You're going you're gonna to see that marriage doesn't work that way. Some days it's very easy to love your spouse. Some days it's not. Some days you love everything about your spouse Some days you don't even want to hear them take a bite of their food because it just bugs you for some reason. That's marriage. And so marriage is one of those things. You get out of it what you put into it. People here who have been married for 40 plus years, I'm going to tell you, they have chosen to love their spouse even when they didn't really want to love their spouse. (laughs) Now now you guys know, if you got to have a conversation after church, you heard it, okay? Picture your marriage as a living organism. So what does an orchard need in order for it to grow? It needs water. It needs sunlight. It needs good soil. It needs a good farmer to come in and, and tend to its needs. It needs pruning, right? I was talking to a farmer last week, and he talked about the job of pruning, and he talked about, you know, there's a lot of machines now that help with farming, but when it comes to pruning, that, that you have to have an eye for what branches to cut and which ones to keep. And when the, the, when the dead branches are on the tree, it sucks the life out of the tree and it, it hurts the tree from blooming and being fruitful. I hope I'm getting it right, farmers. Am I, am I right? That's, that's just what I heard. Okay, so I'm giving you my best here. But that's, that's part of pruning, You prune so something will grow. Well, the same is true with marriage. The right ingredients in a marriage will help make that marriage thrive. The wrong ingredients will make that marriage fail. And so there are two things I want you to think about. One is this. If you don't invest, then you will digress in your marriage. If you don't give it the energy, you don't give it the effort, you don't look at your spouse in the eye, you don't prioritize your spouse, you don't put their needs above your own, eventually you're going to get off into the weeds. And some of you today might be off in the weeds. It's not over, though. It's not too late. You can get back on the path to cultivating your marriage. Another thing that we see is this. If you don't prune, then you won't bloom. I was just talking to a guy a uh, couple nights ago, a friend of mine, and I love him and his marriage, and we were both talking together about pruning, things that we have to cut out of our lives at times in order to focus on our spouse. Because our lives get so busy, our lives get so hectic, and then when we look at the tree, it becomes this gnarled up tree, and it's not as fruitful as it should be. And so sometimes we need to get out the shears, and we need to lob off those branches that are sucking the life out of our marriage and cut back on things so that we can focus on the things that really matter. And so so what do you need to do this year to invest in your marriage? What do you need to do this year to prune the things off of the tree that are sucking the life out of your marriage? Prioritize your marriage. If your marriage is sacred, then your marriage is going to come before everything else, before your job, even before your kids. That's hard to hear because we love our kids. But our kids thrive when we as a couple thrive. And so we put God first. We love our spouse. We invest in our kids. And all of that health provides a healthy family life and and health for our children and health in our marriage. And so, marriage, just a reminder, marriage takes work. And one of the most important ingredients of a loving marriage is love itself. And so, Paul, when he talks about love, this is how he describes it. He says, Love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Listen to that description of love. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And so when Paul talks about love, he uses 15 verbs to describe what love does. He shows here that love is a conscious choice, that love is something that, makes, that takes work, that some days it's going to be easy, you're going to have this happy feeling in your heart toward your spouse, it's going to be easy to love, other days you're going to have to just choose to love, and the greatest example of somebody choosing to love us, even when it's not easy to love us, is Jesus Christ himself. When we sin, Jesus doesn't have happy feelings towards us. When we blow it, when we reject him, turn our backs on him, he does not have happy feelings towards us. But you know what he still does? He still pursues us. We read in Romans 5.8, you guys have this memory verse, right? God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the gospel message. Yeah, we should cheer right there because that, that is some really good news. That is some really good news. Jesus is our example of love. Jesus didn't just say, you know, I have this really happy feeling in my heart towards people. He demonstrated his love by dying for people. He didn't have a happy feeling in his heart towards those who were nailing him to the cross. But he still died for those who were nailing him to the cross. Jesus' choice to love came first. Our choice to love comes first. Sometimes in marriage, we have to just commit ourselves to demonstrating love Even though it takes work. And and here's the thing. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. And some of you today, you just need to push through. You just need to push through. It might not be easy. You might be frustrated. You might have some pains in the past. Things you need to reconcile. Ways that you need to show forgiveness. But here's the thing. Push through. Choose today to love. Jesus chose to love. And if Jesus didn't choose to demonstrate his love, then we would still be dead in our sins. And so let's choose to demonstrate our love in marriage. And so what makes your spouse feel loved? Is it words of affirmation? You look beautiful today. I love when you wear that shirt. I love when you wear that dress. I love your hair like that. What a, you look amazing. Is it acts of service? Hey, honey, uh, I, uh, I, I, cleaned out the, I cleaned our room. I folded the laundry. I put, it, I put everything away. Uh, I, I made you some dinner. I know uh, this is your favorite. I made you some dinner. Is it acts of service? Is it receiving gifts? Hey, I got you. I got you some coffee. I got you uh, an Apple watch. I, I don't know. That's pretty expensive, but it's still awesome. Uh, is it quality time? Like, hey, let's go out. Let's get a babysitter and let's spend some one-on-one time together. It's been way too long. It's been too long. Is it physical touch? Cuddling? Holding hands, hugging, kissing, other stuff. <laughs> Don't neglect it. It matters. It totally matters in marriage. Marriage must be cultivated. And finally, the last truth about biblical marriage is this. Marriage is for ministry. Marriage is For ministry. This is something that's new to me that that I I, I knew, but another thing in this series, it's just it's helping me see things more clearly. Our marriages aren't just about us. They're not just about our happiness and our fulfillment. Our marriages are supposed to make us stronger as human beings. We're stronger together than we are apart. That's why we're married. We're more whole together than we are apart. Now, you could be whole as a single person. We talked about that already. So if you're single and not ready to mingle, that's totally okay. You can still be whole. Focus on Jesus. But when you get married, you now are one, one flesh with another person. And that person that person makes you whole. Your, your souls are tied together. You're better together than you are apart. And, and so when, when the Bible talks about marriage... It actually talks about our marriage is making a difference. Not just marriages that make you fulfilled and happy on the inside, but a, a marriage that actually makes a difference in the world. A marriage that actually impacts lives for the glory of God. A marriage that actually is on mission. Okay? It's not just we're going to be happy together and go on vacations. We are going to use this marriage for the kingdom of God. And that actually goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1, this is called the, the cultural mandate, the creation mandate. It says, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve. And God said to them, and he, talking about all of mankind here, be fruitful. So have children and multiply. Fill the earth. Okay, God wanted people to cover the whole earth, not just the garden. He wanted them to cover the whole earth. Fill the earth, subdue it. Okay, take care of it, farm, grow things, create, be creative, subdue the earth, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the man and the woman together had a mission from God. They were to be his vice regents, they were to be his representatives, and so he said, fill the earth, that is my mission for you, and you do this better together than you do it apart. Well, you have... You're a Christian. You have a sacred mission. You have a sacred ministry from the Lord. And if you're married, you are called to ministry. You are called to use your marriage for the glory of God, to make disciples. Look at your new calling. This is the great commission. This is your mission. So when you stand before God, not only are you going to give an account for how you use your talents and your gifts and and your money and your time and how you raised your kids, But the question is, how did you do with this? Everything I gave you, including your marriage, was for this. This one thing. The Great Commission. Everything you do is going to be measured by this. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe Everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That is your mission. If you're single, that's your mission. If you're dating, that's your mission. If you're married, God wants the two of you to work as one to fulfill this mission. And and, and just a side note, we talk about baptism here. I think we're gonna do baptisms in a week here. So if you are interested in getting baptized, sign up. We want to help you get baptized. I think we're gonna be doing those next week. So the great Commission. God has a mission for you. And so, your relationship with your spouse, it's not just about you. God brought you together because you're stronger together than you are apart. And and so, I want to read you a quote on this. You guys ever heard of a pastor named Francis Chan? Maybe you've read the book Crazy Love. Francis Chan, so, when I went to Bible college, Francis Chan was my preaching pastor. So I'd have to preach, and then he'd have to critique my sermons. And then after, after that, for another year, he actually would watch my sermons online and give me some feedback. So I, I love Francis, his wife, Lisa. They're just really amazing. And he wrote this book on marriage. And he has this co- quote in here that I just feel like really stands out to me when it comes to ministry in your marriage. This is what he says. He says, truth be told, Lisa and I, we have little in common. I love sports, and she doesn't. That sounds like me and Carly, okay? Uh, I, was, I, was wearing, I was rocking my Rams jersey last week, and Carly's like, oh, my goodness, are you seriously wearing that to church? Yes, I'm wearing that to church. Yes, okay. She loves the mall, and I hate it with a passion. Amen, men? Any, anybody? That's me too, okay? I love weird Asian food. So Francis Chan, he's, he's Asian. I like Asian food too, by the way. I just had Thai food last week. But my wife thinks it's creepy. She likes serious conversations. I enjoy sarcasm. She loves Jesus. I love Jesus. And that's enough. Our mutual love for Jesus and his mission binds us. We both love helping people repent of their sin, turn to Jesus, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love watching her share her faith, disciple younger women, care for the poor, minister to children. She loves it when I speak for God fearlessly, even when others hate it. We love being on the mission together. In fact, it's the times when we neglect the mission and just focus on our own desires that conflict arises in our relationship. But staying on the mission is what draws us closer to God. If you are not on mission in your marriage then you are missing out on one of the key components of marriage. Your marriage is for ministry. And so if you think that your marriage is just all about you and your happiness, God cares about you. God cares about your happiness. He wants you to have a happy life, a happy wife, a happy husband. But he gave you that spouse for ministry. Who are you having in your house? Who are you investing in? Who are you teaching? Who are you discipling? I'm going to say this over and over again, but men, who's your man? Who are you investing in? Women, who is your woman? Who are you pouring into? I love this series because we talked about singleness, dating, and marriage, and, we, and we're seeing that it all matters. It matters, all of it. And, and married people have a responsibility to help dating people. You heard Marcus and Deanna last week. As they were dating and then they got engaged, they were helped by married people in this church. Single people are helped by married people in this church. God has brought this spouse into your life for a reason, for marriage. Now, now here's the flip side. Here's the flip side. John Piper, he says this. He talks about the tragedy of what is called the American dream. There's nothing wrong with the American dream. But when the American dream goes above the Great Commission, then there's something wrong. And so John Piper, he points this out trying to refocus couples. He says, I'll tell you what a tragedy is. I'll show you how to waste your life. Consider a story from February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect seashells. At first, when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells? That's a tragedy. That is a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over against that, I will protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your marriage. Some of you are in this phase now. You're approaching retirement. What are you going to do as a retired person? You are still called to the Great Commission. This is not a time to just kick your feet up and live in, 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 you know, travel the world and just drive in a trailer. and, And don't, I'm not saying don't do that stuff. Have fun. Enjoy it. You worked hard. Do it. But remember that at the end of the day, the thing that matters most is the Great Commission. How are you leveraging your life, your time, your energy, your marriage, your season for the kingdom of God? Marriage is for ministry. And if marriage is for ministry, then the question is, how are you using your marriage to make disciples? Who are you having in your home? Who are you sharing your journey with? How is your marriage impacting this church? How is your marriage impacting Lemoore, Hanford, Visalia, Kings County? How is your marriage making a difference in the lives of children? What is God doing through your marriage to further his kingdom, marriages for ministry. Now, uh, to help us apply today's message, I have a, an amazing married couple here in the church. They've been married for 33 years, okay? We have uh, we have Glenn and Debbie. Will you guys help me welcome up Glenn and Debbie as they make their way up here on the stage? So this one was actually an interesting one to find uh, a couple to talk about this topic because Honestly, there, we have a lot of great examples of marriage in this church, um, many people who have been married for over 40 years. and uh, at 50 years, we have a lot of, I mean I think of Marshall and Verna uh, they're back there. Can we give it up for Marshall and Verna that you see her helping greets. Marshall's just an amazing uh, I see Marshall sometimes out in the fog running uh, in Lemoore. so uh, like he's, he's an amazing man. so hey, uh, thank you guys so much for being willing to share today. I know it was last minute. I, I talked to Debbie in my office last week, and then the next day I called her and like, hey, would you guys do the interview? And and Glenn's like, hey, you're never allowed to meet with Ricky again, just so you know, okay? <laughs> so to kick things off, the, the first question is, how, so how did the two of you meet? And uh, um, wh- how'd you know that it was the right time to get married? How did you guys meet? And, and uh, yeah, how, what made you decide to tie the knot?
1: Well, we met, um, we were in a really good, awesome singles group in our church. <clears throat> I went quite often. and He was a um, self-employed farmer, so he wasn't always able to be there. Um, and we really didn't talk much. I saw him, you know, knew who he was. I think the opposite and the same here. But, <clears throat> We were, um, I had been a single mom, so I can cover that in a minute, but for three, three, three and a half years, and we had volleyball night, and I had gone, uh, Mama Annette had said, you need to go, you need to go, bring the kids, because she knew I was down, I had been at their house that day, and I said, I don't want to be around people, so I went, because she was pretty persistent, (laughs) so I went to volleyball night. I thought, well, I'm going to go in, and if there's, everybody's there, I'm going to say hi, and I'm going to leave. Well, they, I walk in, they all start crying, oh, we need you, we need you right here. So I go to the front line, and I look across <laughs> the front line on the other side, and there stood him. <laughs> and <laughs> we, were, we were playing, and all of a sudden, and he's pretty athletic. He went up, and he hit one down, and it hit me right in the face. And... <laughs> so when i got a great way
0: to meet yeah that's awesome so
1: when i got my wits about me i kind (laughs) of sarcastically stuck my tongue out at him we started dating a week later and (laughs) you
0: made your mark you made your mark
1: and then 10 months later we were married but i had two children and so that's you know if you want to bring that in at some point that's fine but that's how we finally connected and um I don't know. I was 31 years old, so I had already been—I'd been single for a while, and he had been too. I don't think you were dating, were you? (laughs) 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 So that's that's kind of how that got started.
0: Awesome, awesome. Did you want to add anything there, or move to the next one?
2: Just that we did win the volleyball
0: game. You (laughs) did win the volleyball. (laughs) Yeah, that's that matters. That matters. (laughs) Sometimes you got to spike that ball. Okay. Um, so I understand you guys haven't always lived in Lemoore. You're, you're a farmer. You were from Texas, right? You guys moved from Texas. So what was it like, you know, moving across the country oh, to this small town and, and getting reestablished? You had a blended family at this point, too. Um, what role did the church play in, in just getting you guys established and helping you in the area of marriage?
1: Well, church has always been... Our life. We, we've always been in church. So we knew coming out here, I had been there 45 years. So when we were coming across, the, I felt like I was dragging my roots all the way across those states. Family, friends. And <clears throat> so it was kind of unique because the girl that was the secretary at this church at the time was, um, Grew up with Glenn. They were in the Navy here. And so when they found out we were coming, they said, Oh, you need to come to this church. So we were glad to have that connection. And we came and we've been here almost 19 years.
0: Wow, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing.
2: So at the time we decided to make this move, we had four children, not just two. Okay. And of course, I'm the head of the family. Gonna pick up my family and move out here. It was a scary, scary thing to do, but mm-hmm. we felt like that's where God was telling us to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and early on, in the days of being here, my mom—I talked to her on the phone. She thought I was crazy for dragging us out here, and I finally had to tell her. I said, that's mom. what my mom thought when I moved out here too. So <laughs> I said, "Mom, God's in California too. He's not just in Texas; he's in California too." I mean, he, <laughs> I'm going to tell my mom that. That's (laughs) good. Okay. (laughs) But he's been with us every step of the way.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. And uh, today, uh, one thing, too, we talked about today was was the love languages. I know that you've read the book on Uh the love languages. Do you guys know each other's love languages and, and like, how that might play out in your relationship?
1: Acts of service for me. And he is that, too. He's also words of affirmation and physical touch. But... um, You empty the dishwasher, dishwasher for me and all, you're mine forever. It sets me <laughs> sets me over the edge to open that thing and all those clean dishes and you want to load it. So he's been real good about, you know, stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff I like.
2: Well, she has some all of them, but most definitely it's acts of service. Uh, over and over and over again, she seeks out and finds these people that need her help and has made an impact on their life. And... Kind of tying the two subjects together that's kind of what draw me to her in the first place is she i could see how committed she was to her kids
1: mm-hmm. to
2: making that situation work and for 32 and a half years she has proved i made the right choice
0: amen so. that's awesome love that uh two more questions if the, this one is uh so i when i'm talking to you debbie you guys have used your home for ministry you've had Bible studies you've done a lot of different things so How how has God used the two of you together to impact lives in this area of, of ministering to others how have you seen God use your marriage for ministry
1: small groups um, couples out there needing um, assistance or trying to get going in their life we've done that we have um, you know they haven't always been successful um, we we've, we've had some that Turned on us, but for the most part, I feel like we still planted a seed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I.
2: Well, early on in our marriage, we. I was farming and we struggled at times with financials, and we had couples that would step in and really were a blessing to us. And I would go mm. to them and say, You know, what can I do to repay you? And one man in particular said, The way I can check is you need to pay it forward. Wow. And so I took that model as. We've tried to do that since we've been here. Is, uh, and I even helped a young couple in this church do that. And he told me one day, he said, I took your advice, and I had a way to help somebody, so I, I paid it for it. So.
0: I love that. I love that. I, that is the biblical model right there. Yep. <laughs> Investing in somebody who, in turn, will invest in somebody else. And, and that's how you multiply, right? It's not just. It's just not, you're not looking at just one person. You're looking at every person that that... Marriage will touch, right? Uh, and then finally, last question: You guys have any just parting advice for those who are considering marriage or who are in, who are married now today? Any last last words?
1: I just say be happy in the season that you're in, because I um, was one of the ones that said I do to the wrong person, not you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and. I rekindled a relationship I should have was left and I should have left it alone. So I was thrown into motherhood um, by myself. And then I was trying to figure out all those things you talked about with the single. Um, <clears throat> and I had to unpack a lot of stuff, emotional, physical, you know, spiritual, all these things. So I took those three years to get to know who I was. And be happy where you are. I'm in a season right now where... It seems like life has kind of stopped. No children at home. He's still working. I've retired. And I'm just going to be still and wait and see. But I just say, be happy where you are and find out, you know, what's going on, what God wants you to do.
0: Love that.
2: Well, I would just say, and it's going to echo some of the points you made in the sermon today, is that marriage is not for cowards. You have to work at it. And if you... What's the saying? This will sound familiar. Don't ask what the marriage can give to you. What can you give back to the marriage? Mm-hmm. If you're working at it and she's working at it, the two of us together make a better unit. And she's making me a better person. That's the way.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> Guys, uh, wow. I want to thank you both so much for being willing to share. I know it's not easy coming up here, and, t- and, t- and marriage is not an easy topic to talk about. So thank you so much. And uh, this is just, I, I just appreciate the both of you so much and, and the phases that God brought you through, he taught you in and, and to see you come and you do you have the blended family now, kind of like what I grew up with and, and just making it work and loving God and loving your children through it. It's it, just a great example. Will you guys help me thank Debbie and Glenn? Thank you guys so much. Well, I'm going to pray for us. You could leave those there. We'll we'll get it for you. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, and we're going to close with one more song, just a part of a song. The the worship team, the youth band, they want to they just want to help us just refocus our energy here. And if you need prayer today, look at we've talked about a lot of things in this series. If you need prayer, talk to us. If you're struggling, talk to us. If you want, uh, if you if you want just just wisdom. Talk to us. We want to help you process these topics. Dating, singleness marriage. We, we want to see relationships thrive in this church. And remember, there is forgiveness. If you have messed up, there is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It's not over yet. It's not too late. You can be made new today. You have to come to Jesus to be made new, but you can be made new today. Remember, he loves you. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll close out with a song. Father God, I thank you so much for Glenn and Debbie and for their story. And, and I thank you for the worship team and just for them leading us today. And uh, I just pray that as we close out service now that we would just focus our eyes on you, be reminded of your amazing grace and your love for us, Jesus. We love and praise you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.